is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. We will not spend three hours on these sexual harassment issues. We'll spend a little time on it, and then I want to move into other areas that are very, very important, including your taxes, including your taxes, because all this is breaking now. But before I do, I'm going to play three sound bites in a row for you without interruption. But you need to keep track of them. The first one's going to be Nancy Pelosi on Meet the Depressed Sunday. Today's Thursday, Pelosi Sunday. After that, I'm going to play the morning schmo Joe Scarborough on MSLSD. Uh, do I have the order right? Yes. And that was yesterday. Yesterday. Or the day before. Then we're going to play Nancy Pelosi today, at a briefing today. All about John Conyers, all right? So Pelosi, Sunday, Scarborough a couple days ago, then Pelosi today. Let us begin. Cut to go. You said there's now a zero tolerance. Yes. John Conyers, what does that mean for him right now? now? Let's say we are strengthened by due process. Mm -hmm. Just because someone is accused... You, and, and was it one accusation? Is it two? I think there has to be. John Conyers is an icon in our country. He has done a, gr a great deal to protect women, the Violence Against Women Act, which the left wing, right wing is now quoting me as praising him for his work on that, and he did great work on that. But the fact, uh, as John reviews his case, which he knows, which I don't, I believe he will Why do. I believe that well, he will. That excuse me, don't? may I finish my sure, sentence? Sure. That he will do the right thing. And is the right thing what? Resign? He will do the right thing in terms of what he knows about his situation, that he's entitled to due process, but women are entitled to due process right. as well. But, was he, but he, got it, he took advantage of a situation where he had an, the rules of Congress, and I know you guys want to change these rules, but he got to hide his settlement. He got to, yeah, his accusers had to go through all, all sorts of craziness. So why is he entitled to new due process well, I, in I, this case? No, I, 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 we are talking about what we have heard. I've asked the Ethics Committee to review that. So a fourth woman has come out accusing Conyers, and more in your caucus are calling on Conyers to resign. Um, how come you haven't called on him to resign? Well, the, uh, the allegations against Congressman Conyers, as we have learned more since uh, Sunday, are serious, disappoint disappointing, and very credible. It's very sad. Uh, the brave women who came forward are owed justice. Uh, I pray for Congressman Conyers and his family and wish them well. However, Congressman Conyers should resign. As far as Capitol Hill is concerned, I want to be sure that everyone who works here, who might be a victim of this. All right, let's stop this, here. So, Sunday Nancy Pelosi was running cover for John Conyers, due process. Her media surrogates, and that would now include the morning schmo, Joe Scarborough, and MSNBC as a network, came to her defense and came to the defense of John Conyers. 
Then there was pushback by women, even within the Democratic caucus in the House, by others, saying that Nancy Pelosi just set back the right of women, uh, the rights of women, and the Democrat Party decades. She could see the ground moving under her feet, and she reversed course. Now she's called for the resignation of John Conyers, and she pretends it's because more women came for it. We, uh, we have Mr. Clyburn, the number three Democrat in the House, who uh, insisted that elected officials have one standard and the rest of us another, as he was getting on an elevator, even though the man is very uh, incoherent at times. Uh, I don't know if it's the way he speaks, he speaks under his breath, or he intends to be that way so he can move in one direction or another. I don't know. He also made it abundantly clear with his reference to Susan Smith, to, uh, that a New York Times reporter is aware of. Uh, Susan Smith accused a black man, falsely of course, of having killed her children when in fact she drowned her children. And he made the reference to Susan Smith in the John Conyers case, suggesting that only white women had attacked Conyers when, in fact, uh, had uh, not attacked, but had accused Conyers of sexual harassment. But that wasn't true. There are others, too, including a black woman. And more coming. And now today, today, Mr. Kleinburn says that people put words in his mouth. Breitbart put words in his mouth. Of course, they didn't put words in his mouth. He put the words in his mouth. Moreover, now he's calling for Conyers to resign. This is really quite a spectacle. There are more women who've come out on uh, Al Franken. Two more women. One is a, uh, a sixth woman now, just breaking. A fifth woman, uh, back uh, some years ago uh, at a USO event, who was serving in the military at the time. And I haven't heard Dick Durbin say he should resign. I haven't heard Mitch McConnell say he should resign. In fact, Dick Durbin said he was taking responsibility for his actions. Now, at least in the media world, they're falling like dominoes. They have, uh, what is it, texts, Twitters. They've got uh, all kinds of evidence against people like Charlie Rose and, uh, and Matt Lauer. Last count, there's 19 or 20 people in the media who've had to resign, one suspended from the New York Times, affecting all the major media outlets. ABC, NBC, CBS, New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, I guess the the Washington Compost. We'll have to wait for that one. Just a matter of time. But don't worry, they're all going to take uh, sexual harassment training because that would stop somebody like a uh, an Al Franken from doing what he did or John Conyers, and so forth. It's quite appalling. I'm not going to spend the rest of my career talking about what members of the House and media are doing in terms of, in the Senate, uh, sexual harassment. Nor Hollywood. You know, there much has been said about how Donald Trump is destroying the free press and the First Amendment. The press is destroying the free press. First, it was their ideological partisanship and demagoguery, their outright hatred for a president they never supported, who fights back, who calls them out by name. 
He responds differently than past presidents, and for this he's attacked. I think the media in this country have done enormous damage, not only to the First Amendment, not only to the to the ideal of a, a freedom of the press, but to the Constitution, to capitalism, to republicanism. When is the last time CNN did any kind of a worthwhile program on how the Constitution is slipping through our fingers? When is the last time CNN did any kind of worthwhile program on the benefits, the enormous benefits of capitalism and private property? When is the last time? When is the last time MSNBC ran such a program? It is constant progressivism, constant undermining America, constant evisceration of the Constitution, constant race baiting, age baiting, sex baiting. It is endless. It is endless. It's very destructive of this society. Same with Hollywood. When's the last time Hollywood put out actually a conservative movie? And by conservative, I mean a pro-American movie. When's the last time the big filmmakers got behind it? Spielberg, among others. Weinstein, among others. When is the last time a university in this country, apart from Hillsdale, apart from Grove City, apart from Chapman and the others... There's a handful of others. When is the last time we had a university where the uh, faculty was predominantly pro-American as as opposed to predominantly anti-American? When is the last time we had a college campus that was shouting down a Marxist or a racist or a racialist, I should say, promoting balkanization? When is the last time? Black Lives Matter doesn't get shouted down. Care doesn't get shouted down. Various ethnic front groups don't get shouted down. Why not? Our institutions of higher learning, the vast majority of them, are now the breeding grounds of the left, the indoctrination camps of the left. Let's be honest about it. The founders are slaveholders, and therefore nothing they did, nothing they did matters. Nothing they did is good. Period. That's it. End it. That's your history lesson. And major news organizations have absolutely nothing in common with you and me. Nothing whatsoever. Nothing. How many of you have a button under your desk to press when you meet a young lady or a young man, depending on who you are and what your situation is, in order to lock the door from the inside so nobody can get in when you drop your pants or maybe lift your skirt. How many, how many of you have buttons like that? How many of you walk around in a robe and invite your staff in and then open your robe? How many of you are grabbing a woman's breast on an airplane when she's sleeping? How many of you in your office have a closet and you're always in your underwear and people walk in and out and they see you in your underwear? I mean, after all, you have a closet. And we're supposed to buy this stuff, these rational arguments. Then their apologies are not apologies. Not one of them has said, you know what, I'm guilty. I'm a disgrace. I'm a disgrace to the company, to my family, to the country. I'm gone. Don't worry about it. No. It's all about, well, I didn't know that they took it this way. and so I've never heard such preposterous apologies. Now, if you're really innocent, and innocent people are accused, let me be clear about this. Innocent people are accused. Clarence Thomas comes to mind, but there are many. You get up on your toes 
and you scream and yell at the highest level of your voice. I am innocent, and I am going to fight this. How many of them have said that? None of them. I don't believe in a hunt to look for causes. But I believe when we're presented with them, we're just the members of the public, when we're presented with them, we call them as we see them. John Conyers should be expelled. Al Franken should be expelled. Any other sleazeballs like that should be expelled. You want due process? Then bring a lawsuit and get your due process. We're not talking about a lawsuit. We're not talking about that kind of due process, are we? Talking about politics, ethics committees. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, out of the blue, we're going to have sexual harassment, anti-sexual harassment training. You'll remember, as soon as they said, I was the lone voice on radio or anywhere in broadcasting, the lone voice who said, wait a minute, if they're saying they need anti-sexual harassment training, this is big. Something's going on. They're throwing that out there. And more than that, it's almost a cover-up. Okay, we're resolved. We've resolved everything. Even Gillibrand, the leading warrior against sexual harassment, she wouldn't name names. She said she was sexually harassed. She wouldn't name names. Then she dumps all over Bill Clinton, who was campaigning with her and for her a year ago. Raising funds for her a year ago. She's not credible. She's a joke. She's a fraud. Jackie Spears said in the House of Representatives, helped raise this issue, that when she was a staffer in Congress, now she's a congresswoman, she was sexually harassed. I believe it was on an elevator, but wherever. Doesn't matter. She wouldn't name names. Now, how much more do I have to discuss this crap? No more. I'm done with it today. We'll see what happens tomorrow if there's anything, you know, so so imperative that I'll bring it up again. We know this. Hollywood, sleazy, disgraceful. Congress, sleazy, disgraceful. The media, sleazy, disgraceful. I'll be right back. Mark in. There's some nut, a woman, who is running for uh, Attorney General in Michigan. It's all over the Internet. And uh, her main campaign theme is, I don't have male genitalia. Should I actually play this, Rich? I don't know. I'm sure it's being played all over radio. I'm going to address it on Levin TV. I'm not going to play it. But... uh, she should be running on a campaign of not no male genitalia, but no IQ. You have to be a fool to vote for a woman like this. So now all men, all men are predators. I'm sick of these leftists. They turn it, everything into politics. I can't stand them. I detest them. So now don't vote for a man for anything because that's a potential sexual predator. That's how the left interprets this. 
That's where the left's gone with this. They still stand for women, don't you know? Certain types of women, apparently. I would ask the Democrat leadership in the Congress this, this quick question. I thought you supported women, but you really don't, do you? You just want them to keep their mouths shut, to allow them to be targets of sexual harassment. As long as it's liberals, as long as it's a Kennedy or a Conyers or a Franken or, or a Clinton, now you're, now you're trying to work your way out of your own uh, pickle here, aren't you, so to speak. I'll be right back. Unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. Something uh, different has happened with our media, which is poisonous. As poisonous as it's been in the past, with leftists like Walter Cronkite and so forth. But today it's a it's hundred times worse. Because there's a hundred more platforms, a thousand more platforms. And it's almost as if they're in campaign mode, in opposition research mode, when it comes to a politician they do not like, or especially when it comes to this president. Tell me, what has this president done in his first year in office that is so horrible, so offensive, so treacherous, so damaging to our national security, so damaging to our economy? What has this president actually done that has endangered America? What has this president actually done that's so irrational and incoherent and incomprehensible? Nothing, 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 and nothing. Seriously. Joe Scarborough is a failed congressman who achieved nothing as a backbencher. He has sought fame and fortune since leaving Congress. He and Mika Brzezinski tried to be a team on radio. They failed utterly and completely. They were monotonous. Nobody wanted to hear the two blowhards. Joe Scarborough wanted to work for Fox many years ago. They wouldn't hire him. So he goes to MSNBC, this fledgling, wasted carbon footprint. Which, of course, is hiring a conga line of freaks and buffoons. And Joe fit in perfectly with his sidekick, Mika Brzezinski. Joe Scarborough, first, and his lovely sidekick, couldn't kiss Donald Trump's ass enough. That's right, I said it. They wanted him on. They wanted him on for ratings. They would say anything, do anything. you remember Donald Trump's first speech to a joint uh, House-Senate audience in Congress. Scarborough met with the president before, reportedly. But in any event, we all saw him on TV, near the front, in the audience, jumping up and down like a clapping seal uh, when President Trump was giving a speech. And then... The morning Schmo and Mrs. Schmo turned on Trump. Because after all, they work at MSLSD. I mean, they're not playing to the MSLSD audience, which is basically miscreants and malcontents and all leftists. 
So they go to war with Trump, and Trump goes to war with them. And it's been going on for some time. And a media outlet, a corporate outlet, that is supposed to be a news operation, NBC News, MSNBC is the sister station or sister network of NBC. It is a disgrace. But this is how they're driving up to the extent they can their ratings. Same with CNN. CNN has surrendered any any notion of being a news operation. You can't have Chris Cuomo on your show and pretend to be a news operation. Or Don Lemon. Or other uh, miscreants and malcontents. But now Scarborough is very angry. He didn't like the tweet that Trump put out there. Bringing up this uh, conspiracy theory about how a uh, young person on his staff passed away. It's not very pleasant. It's not something I would repeat. But Joe Scarborough gives an awful lot of crap to the president. The president gives it back. The difference is Scarborough is a coward. He doesn't have a principled, intelligent, serious bone in his body. None. He'll be whatever he needs to be. He's a complete chameleon. And he's moved hard left for money, for quasi-fame, and to appeal to the base of the MSLSD network. Again, miscreants and malcontents. And so he has started this, or restarted this idea that Donald Trump must be mentally ill, insane, unstable, a threat to America, a threat to each and every one of you, a threat to our safety. And it was picked up by a moron by the name of Navarro, who's on CNN, picked up by another moron on MSNBC, Chris Hayes. He's a host. Uh, CNN brings in a, uh, a writer, Tony Schwartz, who co-authored Art of the Deal. I, I don't think it gets more contemptible than that. You are a ghost writer for somebody. You help them write a book, uh, <clears throat> and then you reveal yourself, and then you turn on the person about whom you wrote the book and made money. So remember what we're talking about in the media here as a general rule, the media. The Charlie Rose media, the Matt Lauer media, the Glenn Thrush media, on and on and on and on, so many you can't name. And then there's Joe Scarborough. And so this is the mantra now, that there's something mentally wrong with Donald Trump. Something mentally wrong with Donald Trump. Nothing ever mentally wrong with Obama. Nothing ever mentally wrong with Biden, with Gore with Hillary, with Bill, no, 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 no. Nothing mentally wrong with Schumer or Pelosi. Something is mentally wrong with Donald Trump. And not only that, he needs to be removed from office. We need what I've been calling now for years, this silent coup. Not years, months. This silent coup. We must use the Constitution, which of course they despise, against this president. There must be a a revolt, a rising up of the cabinet, a majority of the cabinet, and the vice president of the United States to expel Donald Trump from the presidency under the 25th Amendment. Now stay with me on this because you're going to learn a lot. And here it starts with the morning schmo today. Cut 13, go. We are headed towards a nuclear showdown. Most insiders say, and Richard has said this for some time, and it matches everything we've heard from inside the administration, we are closer to war on the Korean Peninsula 
than most Americans know. We heard this months ago that we are going to have a ground war in Korea. They believed that inside the White House for a very long time. And yet, he's completely detached from reality. We had a New York Times and Washington Post piece saying so a couple of days ago. Whoa, the, the New York Times and Washington Post. They had one piece, really, uh, saying this, so we must rely on this. The New York Times, a, a Holocaust-denying newspaper, right in the teeth of World War II, and, of course, the Washington Compost, which would be bankrupt, but for the fact that the Amazon uh, 100 billionaire uh, has saved it. Go ahead. If this is not what the 25th Amendment was drafted for, and what is it? I would like the cabinet members serving America, not the president, serving America. America. You serve America. All right, stop us. What, what is this Ed McMahon Act that Mika's put in? America. America. Go ahead. Know it. You know you don't serve Donald J. Trump. Scam developer, scam, uh, you know, Trump University proprietor. Boy, he's really just talk about. Can we apply the 25th Amendment to him? He continues, cut 14. Reality TV show host. You don't represent him. You represent 320 million people whose lives are literally in your hands and we are facing a showdown with a nuclear power and you have somebody inside the White House that the New York Daily News says is mentally unfit. Wow, well, now the New York Daily News says he's mentally unfit. And the New York Times and the Washington Post, they all say he's mentally unfit. All these these crackerjack psychiatrists and psychologists and of course, Scarborough, who was defending Conyers and defending Pelosi for defending Conyers, and who is a mental midget of the highest order, he tells us, look, the Daily News says this, and the New York Times and the Washington Post, so they must be right. They must be right. Plus, I hate Trump. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. Remove him. Remove him. Remove him. What kind of a schmuck is this? Go ahead. That people close to him say is mentally unfit. The people close to him during the campaign told me had early stages of dementia. Now, All right, let's stop. If people in the campaign told him that in the early days, why didn't Joe reveal that? Why was he supporting Trump? And there's one other thing I want to say. There are people in this country who have dementia. There are people in this country who have Alzheimer's. This isn't funny. This isn't funny when a pathetic gutless hack like Joe Scarborough, a truly dumb ex-politician who has worked his way up to fame and fortune such as it is in the Manhattan social circles, who's now using his position to do what he's doing like this, to attack a president in a way that I can't ever remember a president being attacked on a repeated Resolute basis, questioning his sanity, questioning his sanity, not Conyers' sanity, he defends him, not Pelosi's sanity, who can barely get a sentence out. No. This is diabolical. This man is diabolical. He is grotesque. He knows exactly what he's doing. 
And after that segment, I bet he was smiling and happy as a bird. Happy as a bird. And he also knows, because it's been reported, that the North Korean generals find him and his show to be their favorite show. And he is their favorite host. And they listen to this stuff. Go ahead. Mad at me if you want to. You can say that's not okay to say. But but why don't you go- shut up, Mika? You sound like a parrot in the background there. He speak. Why don't you say this? He speak. Why don't you say that? He speak. America. He speak. It's the most bizarre, you know, pair of TV hosts I've ever seen. Like she's nudging him to say these things. Just say them yourself, or be quiet. Let him finish his insane rant. Go ahead. When are we supposed to say this? After the first nuclear missile goes? Listen to this. This is a sick dude, boy. I'll tell you what. Absolutely sick kook. But then other people pick it up. Anna Navarro, who's another hater, which is why they love her over at CNN. Cut 15, go. And uh, the retweets, the numerous conspiracy theories, everything we have seen and heard over the last few days. Is this president serious question? Is he unraveling? Oh, that's a serious question, and uh, from a very unserious man. Is he unraveling? No, you are, you jerk. Go ahead. Okay, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you that from, you know, an untrained eye. So let's stop right there. She's an untrained eye, but she's going to come in anyway. An untrained eye thrown a preposterous question from a moron, Don Lemon. This is CNN. This is CNN. Go ahead. Looks weird. It makes me recall people who have early onset dementia. It makes me recall people who are in the early stages of Alzheimer's. This is absolutely disgusting. All you families out there, almost everyone is touched by this. All you families out there. Who have family members with dementia or some aspects of it or Alzheimer's, some aspect of it. Listen to these people. Just listen to how disgusting they are. And look how they're trying to, to fundamentally destroy this president. Fundamentally destroy this president. They can't disagree. They can't engage. They throw cheap shots and he responds. Everybody knows he responds. And then they attack, attack, attack. And this is endless. Like a bunch of piranha. Go ahead. It's constant repetition. He goes back to... All right, you can shut up. Now there's somebody named Chris Hayes. He's a host of MSLSD. Notice it keeps coming from these two. These two entities. Go ahead. North Korea is now, according to experts, a nuclear power, apparently capable of striking anywhere on the globe with a nuclear warhead. And at a time when this country and the world and allies are depending on stable, steady, and clear-sighted American leadership, the President of the United States... Genuinely appears to be losing his grip on reality. Yeah, that's, that's, that's enough. From the sexual predator media, generally speaking, the left-wing media, now they're telling us that the President of the United States lost his grasp on reality, that he's insane, that he has dementia, that he has Alzheimer's. Pretty sick stuff. And they're pushing the 25th Amendment again. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Pelosi, the moron Joe Scarborough, 320 million people's lives have been jeopardized by Barack Obama and his Iran deal, by the failure of past administrations to confront North Korea. Yes, 320 million people's lives have been jeopardized, you damn fool. And that's exactly what you are. Pathetic. And now, now the lib media starts throwing around terms like dementia and Alzheimer's. When there are millions of people in this country who suffer from this, and, and millions and millions of family members who have to deal with it, oh, yeah, well, he must have dementia, oh, he must be unraveled, oh, maybe he's Alzheimer's, maybe... And why? Why? Because they want you to have nothing but contempt for this president. Because they do. They want you to distrust everything this president does, because they do. Really, I've never seen anything like this, ever. The media. Absolutely shameful and deceitful. What they do behind closed doors, ideologically, and to each other, they're disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. You know, Uber disclosed a breach of 57 million passengers and drivers' records. Hackers accessed personal information like names and driver's license numbers of the drivers and names, email addresses and phone numbers of passengers. Though this breach was just uh, recently announced, this personal information was actually stolen over a year ago. If you're only monitoring your credit, your identity can still be stolen in ways you may not detect. Good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, threats you may miss by just monitoring your credit, like someone stealing from your 401k, are committing a crime in your name. And, there's, and if there's a problem, a U.S.-based identity restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock can help you see more threats to your identity. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use promo code LEVIN, that's L-E-V-I-N, for 10% off your LifeLock membership. Visit LifeLock.com, save 10% now, by using my name, Levin, in the promo code. By the way, next hour I'm going to dig into this uh, tax stuff that's going on. Oh, Mark, it's so boring. Really? Well, let me tell you, that's going to affect most of you. It truly is. It's going to affect most of you. 25th Amendment, just to show you what a moron Joe Scarborough is. The impeachment clause of the Constitution, you need a majority of the members of the House to vote to impeach and you need two-thirds, a supermajority, the members of the Senate to convict and remove a president. Without getting into every detail of the 25th Amendment, I'll do that on Levin TV tonight. You need two-thirds of the members of the House of Representatives, ultimately. There's a process, but two-thirds. Two-thirds. And two-thirds of the members of the United States Senate to uphold the removal of a president. So you need two-thirds of the House and two-thirds of the Senate. Under the 25th Amendment. Under impeachment, you need a simple majority. That is 50% plus one and two-thirds in the Senate. So these idiots don't even understand if you really want to try and remove a president, you go the impeachment route. Not Article 25, Amendment 25. But then again, we're talking about Scarborough. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcast.
Broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I believe I'm the only conservative standing who opposes what the uh, Congress is trying to do on our taxes. That is the Republicans. No, no, we're not getting half a loaf for 85%. It's better than nothing. That's all BS. I don't get it. When we have Republican House and Senate and a Republican President, why we have to negotiate with ourselves and get half a loaf. It's incredible. It's not even half a loaf. Let me tell you what's going on this minute via Politico. Senate Republicans have dropped a plan to create a so-called trigger for tax hikes meant to satisfy deficit hawks, leaving the GOP scrambling to change its plan and win over enough votes to pass their massive tax code overhaul. Now, that's a loaded paragraph in one run-on sentence. So Bob Corker and morons like him have an idea. If we cut taxes and the economy doesn't grow as much as we think it should grow and our revenue into the federal government is as high as we think we should, then we should raise taxes. So we would raise taxes when the economy isn't growing like it's supposed to grow and bringing revenue into the federal government. This is the this is a deficit hawk. Deficit hawk, really? Where's Bob Corker's... Uh, Proposal for slashing government spending. Why is it always on the revenue side? Well, the revenues are lower than projected, but the spending never stops. It never stops. Senate Majority Whip John Cornyn, there's a loser, said the proposal, a trigger to raise tax rates if sufficient economic growth did not materialize, would not pass muster procedurally, and would need to find something else to satisfy the block of deficit hawk holdouts led by Bob Corker. Since when is Bob Corker a deficit hawk senator? What exactly has he done? Has he led a filibuster on the floor of the Senate to slash spending? No! Doesn't look like the trigger is going to work, according to the parliamentarian, says Cornyn. So we have an alternative, frankly, a tax increase we don't want to try uh, to address. What's it? A tax increase we don't want to do to try to address. Does this guy know how to speak English? Corker's concerns. Corker added, my understanding is that the parliamentarian has ruled against it, so they're just going to automatically put tax increases in, period. They're going to put tax increases in, period? Ladies and gentlemen, what the hell is this? What is this? You're not going to be able to deduct your property taxes if the Senate gets its way? You're not going to be able to deduct your state income taxes if the Senate gets its way? Interest on your mortgage? But don't worry, your rate's going to come down? Well, for a lot of you, that's not going to make up the difference. Then I have to even hear so-called conservatives go on TV and talk about we shouldn't be subsidizing the practices of the blue states and the red states. This isn't about subsidizing practices of states. It's not about blue states and red states. It's about individuals who create wealth and they want to keep more of what they've created. What do the blue states, red states have to do with it? 
You can leave your state if you think taxes are too high, state taxes and so forth and so on. What are you going to do, leave the country to avoid the uh, federal income tax? <clears throat> they want a trigger mechanism, the deficit hawks, you see, a trigger mechanism to raise taxes if we don't get enough revenue in to the insatiable Leviathan that is the centralized, iron-fisted federal government. So you'll be punished if not enough revenue is created by you workers, by the proletariat, you see. And they're doing this to help the middle class. This is nuts. These people are morons. And notice the battles on the individual taxes, the individual side. On the corporate side, oh, we got that all figured out. 35 to 20 percent. Well, maybe it'll be 22 percent. Who knows? You got Rubio, and I think Mike Lee, but definitely Rubio leading the way, trying to get Democrats on board to increase what? To increase the child tax credit to $2,000, according to the circle nerds over there at the Wall Street Journal. And in exchange, they would increase the corporate tax rate that was to be cut from 35 to 20% to 22%. So, of course, the Wall Street Journal, notice the name, Wall Street. And I have nothing against Wall Street, but it's not Liberty Journal or Capitalism Journal or Wealth Creation Journal. It's the Wall Street Journal. Well, of course, they're very angry about that. Basically, the Wall Street Journal editorial page, or the Circle Nerds, uh, are a mouthpiece. The Circle Nerds are mouthpieces uh, for whatever the U.S. Chamber of uh, Crony Capitalism wants. Open borders and, you know, all the rest of it. So they're flipping out. Well, they're both wrong. They're both wrong. It is not conservative. It is not rational. It's not fiscally responsible to keep taking more and more people off the tax rolls. Which is exactly what Rubio and I guess Mike Lee are promoting. And then the burden increases on the people in the middle and on the upper ends, who keep paying more and more and more of the tax load. It is not healthy for a society when around 50% of the people pay no federal income taxes and the other 50% have the burden of all of it. It's preposterous. And they're talking about trigger mechanisms and all the rest. This isn't a tax cut. Not for the individual, not for many of you. They're sitting there debating your future, whether you can afford to own your home, what your deductions are going to be, and in the end, we get a sense for what they want, including what I just told you based on media reports, but how the hell is this going to end up? How are we supposed to have any input into any of this? They can't, you know, they were supposed to simplify this, remember? We're going to have a fair tax or a flat tax, you can do it on one postcard. Well, if you're not going to pay any taxes and you're going to get money back, you can do it on one postcard. But for the rest of us, we're screwed. Why am I the only voice out here in major media challenging this? Where have all the conservatives gone? Where the hell are they? Well, they need a win. The Republicans need a win. The president needs a win. You want to win? Then be responsible. Don't deceive the American people. Don't deceive your supporters. That this is some great, quote-unquote, middle-class tax cut where we're going to screw the rich. And I'm sick of hearing this class warfare crap, too.
Talk up the country. Talk up capitalism. Talk up hard work and success and wealth creation. Talk up property rights. Stop sounding like Saul Linsky. Now, there's a piece in National Review. What would Reagan think of the GOP's tax bills? Now, why do we keep talking about Reagan? Only because he's the most successful president in modern American history, and he happens to have been a solid conservative. I know there's a new book out there. I think the guy's name is Olson. No, 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 you don't understand. He was a nationalist, populist, and a protectionist. I don't need to read the rewrite crap. Or our friend Victor Davis Hanson telling us Reagan was a protectionist. Really? Did he do some protectionist things? Yes, but he was a strong advocate of a free market system. He's the father of NAFTA. And I got to read these intellectuals and quasi-intellectuals writing absolute BS, further confusing the American people to the extent they read them. But this Ben Elliott has a pretty good piece at National Review. He was a White House speechwriter early on in the Reagan administration. And he was the director of the White House speech writing from uh, 83 to 86 during the Reagan administration. Can't read it all, but let me cut to the chase. Here's what he says. This is nothing like what Reagan would want. It's nothing like what Reagan did. Reagan had three core principles, and not one of them is on display here. Reagan's first principle was to dedicate tax rate reductions to the American people. I know this upsets Paul Gigot, Paul Gigot and the circle nerds over there at the Journal. But who cares about them? Reagan's first principle was to dedicate tax rate reductions to the American people. Individuals first. Corporations second. And by the way, this isn't a class warfare thing. This was what Reagan felt. In the 1980 campaign, Reagan repeatedly told his audiences, we're the party of Main Street, not the party of the corporation boardroom and the country club set. Let's tell the cop on the beat and the shopkeeper. And he did. Both the 1980 tax reductions and the 1986 tax reform focused on bold rate reductions for individuals across the board, 25%, including millions of mom-and-pop enterprises, the little engines of innovation and job creation that paid taxes on their earnings through the individual income tax and represented over 90% of all small businesses. Corporations also benefited from new incentives for research and development and the right to write off immediately new investments for equipment and technology. Given the historical record, the most powerful economic boon in modern times, it is startling to see today's Republicans throwing away Reagan's playbook. Lowering the corporate tax rate from 35 to 20 percent is the new GOP's, is the GOP's new alpha and omega. The large corporate tax cuts will be permanent, while the smaller tax cuts for individuals and families will be temporary. Supporting individuals, families, small enterprises struggling against the ravages of Obamacare, not to mention years of rising taxes and living costs with no earnings growth, apparently isn't a priority. Both of today's GOP bills, House and Senate, violate these standards of equity and fairness. In the Senate bill, which is being debated right now, Republicans claim that by slightly lowering rates and adjusting income ranges, as well as doubling the standard deduction and eliminating the alternative minimum tax, they can ensure that everyone will receive a tax cut, or as the president describes it, a huge tax cut for Christmas. Unfortunately, 
while taxes for most low- and high-income taxpayers will be decreased. And that's not true either. I'll get to that in a second. Many middle- and upper-middle-class payers will receive little or no tax relief. Some will even face higher taxes. Mom-and-pop enterprises won't see the same tax cuts that corporations do. And the elimination of several common deductions is aimed directly at the mass of people out there, the vast majority of the people. Here's some of the items on the GOP chopping block. The personal exemptions of $4,050 per taxpayer and dependent claimed on a return. Chopped! The deduction for interest on student loans. Chopped! In the Senate bill, deductions for state and local taxes, including property taxes. Eliminated entirely. This is effectively double taxation, a tax on income people have earned but apparently cannot keep. Reagan's third core principle was to stop inflation from pushing people into higher tax brackets over time. The solution was simply to index all the brackets to the consumer price index. The GOP bills will index tax brackets and the standard deduction to a different measurement of inflation, the chained consumer price index. This rises more slowly than does the traditional CPI. As a result, taxpayers will move into higher tax brackets faster, leading to higher income tax bills over time. They have abandoned Jack Kemp. They've abandoned. They've abandoned Ronald Reagan. They've abandoned Bill Roth, Kemp Roth, and Reagan. But they don't want you to figure that out. They don't want you to really know that. In fact, they push Art Laffer out there and our buddy uh, Larry Kudlow out there and our buddy Steve Moore out there. This is a B-plus, you see, a B-plus. No, it's not. No, it's not a B-plus. It's a mess. It's a mess, in my humble opinion. All men I respect that happen, in my view, to be dead wrong about this. They should have slashed individual federal income tax rates across the board. They're already having to say, well, tax cuts for the rich. The libs are always going to say that. Even if the, all the rich, so-called, are rounded up and sent to gulags, they'll still say, hey, that guy has more rice than the other one. That guy's got two apples than the other one. That's the way the left works. Whether it's in hardcore communist regimes or in our soft tyranny. And where's the moral argument? Which Reagan used to also make that this money belongs to you and that everybody deserves a tax break and that we shouldn't allow the government and politicians to turn American against American with these fictitious tax rates and these fictitious tax categories and groups. Ooh, the middle class and the upper middle class and the lower middle class and this class and the other class and the upper class and the rich class and the, and the poor class. And the, we're not a country of classes. We're a country of individuals, citizens. This bill is unconscionable, these bills that they're discussing. Absolutely unconscionable. It's like some kind of a bazaar where they're still fighting over, no, 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 I want to protect this. And you have Susan Collins, who's insisting that if you get rid of the individual mandate, which they've been campaigning on for years, since Obamacare was enshrined, she says, and Lamar Alexander, and a bunch of Republicans and Democrats insist, that we continue to subsidize the insurance companies in order to subsidize individuals on the low end of the economic scale 
so their rates are much lower. And your rates continue to go up, and your taxes either go up or they stay still. Always the debate, always the debate about Medicaid, welfare, illegal aliens, non-citizens. And then they pretend that this is for you, ladies and gentlemen. This is for you. No, it's not. It's screw you. I'll be right back. Mark in. Craig Shirley, if not the premier, certainly one of the premier historians uh, on Ronald Reagan and his administration. Reagan wanted power drained away from the centralized government and returned to the individual. His tax cuts were real tax cuts. They were about tax reform, but they were also about governing reform. Man's relationship to the state. That's what was going on. What is this? This mess. Where at the last minute they're cutting deals on raising taxes, if you know this doesn't happen, and uh, so forth and so on. This is appalling. Absolutely appalling. A committee of knuckleheads puts this stuff together. Reagan saw the big picture. Saw the big picture. Now they say we have to pass this if we're going to win re-election. Why don't they look at the guy who won massive landslides, popular vote landslides, electoral college landslides? I, I mean, I, I don't even understand the politics involved in this idiocy. I really don't. There's an analysis done. that if the Senate bill becomes the final bill, one-third of the property owners in California, many of whom are Republicans, oh yes, are going to see significant increases in their taxes. Tens of billions of dollars in the aggregate. That, that, you've got Republicans in the House, Republicans in the Senate, the Republican president. Nobody should be seeing their taxes go up. Nobody. I'll be right back. American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. You know, if you're like me, your favorite part of going to the mall as a kid was stopping by Mrs. Fields. It'd probably be your favorite part of going holiday shopping this year, too. Something about that first soft bite of the perfect chocolate chip cookie just makes you feel like a little kid again, doesn't it? This holiday season, you can give your friends and family that same feeling of pure joy with a holiday gift arrangement from Mrs. Fields. Mrs. Fields' cookies have been around for 40 years. Everyone knows and loves them. Remember the very first time you had one? It's like you finally knew what a chocolate chip cookie should taste like. They're soft and chocolatey. Just thinking about those cookies makes my mouth water. And Mrs. Fields' cookies are freshly baked. They're made by hand. And they're ready to enjoy right out of the box. So everyone can have what they've always wanted right now. Now, here's an exclusive deal for you, my listeners. Go to MrsFields.com. 
Go to MrsFields.com. Click on that microphone in the upper right-hand corner and enter code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. You'll get 25% off Mrs. Fields' best-selling Peace, Love, and Cookies tin. I know that this is a great tin with great Mrs. Fields treats in there because I got one for Thanksgiving. I gave it to uh, the family. You get Nibbler's bite-sized cookies, brownie bites, and more. So click on the microphone, enter code, promo code LEVIN, at MrsFields.com to get the perfect holiday gift for 25% off. MrsFields.com, MrsFields.com, promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. It's the easiest thing in the world to do, and it is a great, great gift. You can order it for yourself, too. All right. Let's take a, uh, well, let's take somebody, a disagreeable. Jim, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go. Mark, I'm with you 75% of the time, but right now, this is not a uh, time like Reagan's era when we could look at conservatives. Oh, boy. What, what, now, what is a time like Reagan's era? Is there ever one? Oh, yeah, there was, except, you know. The no, I didn't ask why. Will there ever be another one? Well, I what, what is a time like Calvin Coolidge's era? What is a time like uh, Jefferson's era? What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is this, that uh, in an era when conservative uh, have, has no leadership, in other words, there was a, a talk show host, what's his name, I forget, he said, who's the leader of the conservative movement? The answer- I, don't, I, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't really care. There's no leader in the conservative movement. I'm not even talking about a leader in the conservative movement. I'm talking about rational tax policy that uh, benefits the vast majority of the American people, that is very, very simple, that creates jobs for people who don't have them, that raises wages for people who need a raise. What do you mean, uh, well, it's not the same era as Reagan? We know that. That's why we need the tax cuts. Are you saying this is irrational? What is irrational? This, this, this tax plan that we, you want to get through? Of course it's irrational. They're still fighting over it. They still, should we trigger tax increases or not trigger tax increases? You can't even figure that out at the 11th hour, that you shouldn't trigger tax increases, especially if revenues aren't coming in because the economy is not producing. You should be triggering federal government cutting. That's what you should be triggering. We'll take it. All right. Thanks for your call. What the hell is he talking about, Rich? I have no idea. We'll take it. Conservative leader, the conservative movement, it's not Reagan's era, it's not this, that, and the other. We're talking about trying to come up with policies that will advance the cause of the common person, or all people for that matter. People who earn a living should be able to keep most of what they create. Well, it's not Reagan's era. What does that have to do with Reagan's era? I'm explaining Reagan's tax cuts. That's a lot older than Reagan when we're talking about private property rights. Well, just ask yourself something, ladies and gentlemen. When you get up at 6 and 6.30 in the morning, you're stuck in traffic for an hour and a half, and you're going to a job you half hate, and you're working to put food on the table for your family, to pay your mortgage, maybe put some money aside for a pension, put a little bit of money aside maybe for a vacation, for the holidays, a little money aside for tuition for your kids to go to college, and then they're telling you, well, look here, uh, you know, if the economy is not producing the way we want to, we're going to increase taxes. Or 
you know that house you bought seven years ago? Yes, and we calculated it, and we figured it out. We took a sharp pen. Well, no longer are your property taxes deductible. No longer are your state income taxes deductible. No longer is your interest deductible. Hey, it's not Reagan's era. What's the problem? There's a big problem. Not one of these buffoons ran for office based on that argument. They said they were going to slash taxes. Slash taxes. And now we get these fools who are defending them. You know, Mark, it's, it's not like Reagan's era. Well, what, well what, what does that have to do with anything? We're talking about a policy that you want to put in place, right? That will improve our circumstances. But it's always FDR's era for some reason, isn't it? It's always FDR's era, always progressivism, always works, always advances. I point out Reagan so people understand, although that guy doesn't, that I'm not talking about abstract theories here. I'm talking about something that actually works, creates 25 million jobs. We had one quarter of GDP growth of over 8%, followed by one of over 7%. Endless numbers of jobs created. Entrepreneurship. Ain't a market, you know, Reagan's here, you know, we can't do that anymore. Herschel, Las Vegas, Nevada, the great Kate on KDWN. Go. Hey, uh, Mark, uh, appreciate you sending my call. I, I've been a financial planner for 40 years, especially dealing in the area with the seniors, and I will tell you that this tax plan, seniors are going to be so angry, um, but Trump will never win a second term. Let me tell you why. Uh, I can remember years ago, and you'll probably remember this too, that one of the great enticements for seniors to buy long-term care insurance was that it was going to be the premium was going to be deductible. And when you add up and uh, the Let's medical- slow down. And what was the public policy reason for that? That would mean seniors would rely less and less and less on government health care programs. Go ahead. Yeah, they did not. They did not want middle class accessing Medicaid. So the first thing they did is, you know, they did a look back period for three years for gifts. Then they did. A All right, stop one second. Don't hang up. We have a shocking verdict in the Kate Stenley murder case. The jury has delivered. A not guilty verdict. You believe this, Mr. Producer? In San Francisco, of course. Not guilty. Am I reading this properly? You know, I, I, I don't I don't know how you keep your sanity around here. I really don't. I real I really don't know how we how I mean so this illegal alien murders Kate Steinley. And a jury in San Francisco, that may be part of the problem, finds him not guilty. Not guilty. All right, sir, go right ahead. Okay, uh, Mark, uh, what I was saying is that if we go back uh, uh, to the government when they were inducing seniors to buy long-term care insurance, you know, so that they would not end up on Medicaid. You know, there was this great enticement to do that, and they gave so them... What, so what's uh, going to happen? What's going to happen is that now, 
seniors are not going to be able to deduct that long-term care insurance premium. Not only that, they're not going to be able to deduct their Medicare supplement premiums. All right, but let's slow down. But people who want to buy long-term care, they're not going to be able to do it either. So you're going to have more and more people gravitating to more and more government. No, that's all all true. And so, for example, let's say your mother is in a nursing home, and it's running all... You know, on, on average, we're looking at like uh, $40,000 a year. You're not going to be able to deduct that any longer. And what does oh, that unbelievable. do to, to seniors who, for example, have a spouse in a nursing home, and now none of that is deductible, and the government has turned around and lied to seniors and induced them to buy all this long-term care insurance, and now they're going to say, oops, sorry, that all that premium, and I will, I will guarantee you that the minimum premium, because so many long-term care insurance companies have gone out of business, the average long-term care policy for a husband and a wife unaffordable is over five grand a year minimum premium. Now they're not going to be able to do like that. Uh, I'm on AARP and my wife and I. I don't want to hear about AARP. You shouldn't be on AARP. Care supplement. Our Medicare supplement, our Part D runs is five thousand. Okay, you pay the Medicare Part D premium. All right, everybody's eyes are rolling over. Your point is that this is going to disrupt, disrupt uh, the gravitation of people towards private long-term care. They're going to gravitate toward Medicaid and more Medicare. They're not going to be able to afford private long-term care policies, and uh, which really, depending on the policy and so forth, is very, very important if you think ahead. All right, sir, I I appreciate it. This is what I meant earlier when I said the Reagan tax cuts were not just about tax cuts. They they were about reordering the individual's relationship to government. This does that in a perverse way, in the converse way. But don't worry, you're going to hear about blue states and sub-states. You file your income taxes, you're going to be thinking about blue states? No, I don't think so. You're going to be thinking about your income taxes. Blue states don't file federal income taxes. You file federal income taxes, those of us who pay. I'm sick of one other thing. I know this is politically incorrect. I'm sick and tired of the 50% of the people in this country who pay crap. Well, you know, they pay a payroll tax. I'm not talking about payroll taxes. I'm talking about federal income taxes. No wonder their hands are always out. No wonder they're always voting for Democrats. Why wouldn't they want more government, more health care, free college, and everything else? They're not paying crap for anything. The hell is that? Massive redistribution of wealth. Fewer and fewer and fewer of us. And this massive tax cut. Greatest tax cut in American history. Even fewer people are going to be paying, pay, paying the individual federal income tax. How much longer can this go on? The debt balloons, the spending expands. We're expanding and imploding at the same time. Fewer and fewer people are responsible for paying a bigger and bigger bill that's becoming increasingly impossible. I got to hear about blue states and red states? The hell does that have to do with anything? I'm the one looking out for everybody. No offense. No brag, just fact. I'm the one. This isn't compassionate. This isn't compassionate. 
I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Listen up, folks. I have a fabulous deal for you from my friends at Blindster.com. That's BlindsTER.com. Right now, for Cyber Monday, which goes all week here, you get 50%, 50% off your entire order. But you better hurry because the sale ends this week. You know, I recently placed an order with uh, another order from Blindster, this time for plantation shutters. They sent me free samples first and made it so easy to measure and install. I just love the way Kyle Cox runs his family business. It's customer service at its best. Kyle exemplifies the American dream, starting the entire online blinds industry with $5,000 and now selling on average a custom blind every 60 seconds. Kyle shows you how to measure and install so you don't have to throw your money away by hiring a so-called pro. Plus, if your blinds don't fit, even if you goofed, Kyle will make the blinds in the sizes you need for free. You only pay for shipping. So don't miss this 50% off deal. Enter promo code MARK at checkout. Blindster.com for quality custom-made window treatments of every kind. Blindster.com, promo code MARK. All right. Here we go. Kate Steinle. As I recall, after she'd been mortally shot, it's hard to even say it. Her father is leaning over her. And her last words to her father was, help me, Dad. Can you imagine being a father? Your daughter was shot when you're walking with your daughter. Next thing you know, she's bleeding to death. Because an illegal alien shot her. And you're leaning over her and she says, help me, Dad. And you can't do a thing about it. You're losing your daughter right in front of your eyes. What kind of jury is this? Fox News. Jurors have found Jose Ines Garcia Zarate not guilty of killing Kate Stenley. She must have just died on her own. On Pier 14 in San Francisco in July 2015, in the trial that sparked a national debate over illegal immigration. Jurors reached the decision minutes ago in the six-day of deliberations after first receiving the case last week. Steinle was walking with her father and a family friend in July 2015 when she was shot. Just shot. Collapsing into her father's arms. Zarate had been released from a San Francisco jail about three months before the shooting, despite a request brought by federal immigration authorities to detain him for deportation. San Francisco is a sanctuary city where local law enforcement officials barred from cooperating with federal immigration authorities. President Trump has threatened to withhold federal funding to cities with similar immigration policies, but a federal judge permanently blocked his executive order last week. One jerk appointed by Obama, one federal judge out of a thousand now runs our entire immigration system. Is that what it says in the Constitution? While Zarate's immigration status is what brought the case in the national spotlight, jurors did not hear evidence about that. And it was not a factor in the trial. 
After 12 days of testimony, dozens of witnesses, two days of closing arguments, the jury had to decide whether Steinle's death was a result of an act of, matter, uh, act of murder or a tragic accident. I dropped the gun and it just went off and happened to hit the woman. That's all, you know. I, I didn't mean it. I dropped it. It went off. I kind of just picked up the gun. It was under a bench. Earlier in the day, the bailiff and court clerk were seen entering the jury room with a small yellow evidence bag before retreating with it a few minutes later. A source inside the courtroom confirmed the jury asked to see the gun used to shoot Steinle. Zarate and his defense team maintained the argument that the suspect found the stolen weapon on the pier that day, and it just fired. And these fools bought it. Mark, don't you believe in the jury system? I believe in the jury system. It doesn't mean I believe in every jury. I believe in the justice system. It doesn't mean that justice is meted out in every case. The gun belonged to a Federal Bureau of Land Management ranger and was stolen from his parked car a week earlier. I just found it. The bullet ricocheted on the pier's concrete walkway before it struck Steinle, killing her. Zarate is admitted to shooting Steinle, but says it was an accident. Help me, Daddy. Help me, Daddy. The last words of this beautiful young daughter. I can't imagine it. Help me, Daddy. See, he was playing his own secret version of Russian roulette, they say. Just went off. He just happened to find a gun. What a bunch of crap. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. This is a horrific decision. The Steinle murder case, where an illegal alien and a repeated offender who just gets out of jail and kills Kate Steinle. You have to be really out of your mind to believe this argument. The gun was stolen a week earlier off the seat of a vehicle of a federal official. But you see, uh, the, uh, the illegal alien just found it under a bench. Now, who buys that? And then Kate Steinle is killed because he's playing his own sort of Russian roulette. The gun drops and it goes off, and she's killed. And San Francisco proudly is a sanctuary city, illegally violating federal law. And a federal judge in California protecting the nullification of cities like San Francisco of federal law where federal officials are asking local officials to detain these people so they can get a hold of them and then deport them. This is just awful. It's absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. 
All right, now I have some bright news for us. This is in the L.A. Times, and we know the L.A. Times never lies. And uh, President Trump is preparing, I'm just quoting, to formally declare Jerusalem the capital of Israel and order a review of the best way to move the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to officials said Thursday, actions that would reverse decades of U.S. policy and international peacemaking efforts and could inflame the Arab world. So you can see the lib crazy, crazy lib media. The President of the United States, (laughs) this President is turning out to be the best friend Israel's had. He has an ambassador in Israel by the name of Friedman who's the best ambassador from the United States Israel's ever had. We have an ambassador from Israel into the United States by the name of Ron Dermer, who's the best ambassador for Israel and the United States that Israel's ever had in the United States. And I can assure you all the leftists are appalled by this. The Democrat Party is appalled by this because the Democrat Party has now moved away from Israel. The media have now moved away from Israel. And the thing is, when Donald Trump runs for re-election, which I assume he'll do, he still will only get about one-third tops of the Jewish vote. Just my guess. Jerusalem, just uh, even if you're not Jewish, that, it's more important than that. This is a universal point. Jerusalem is the ancestral capital of the Jews. Thousands and thousands of years ago. Yet it is the only capital that America will not recognize in another country. Because we've been blackmailed by the Arab countries. We've been blackmailed by the left in this country. We've been blackmailed. And you do that, there's going to be riots and something. And yet, Israel is one of America's closest friends and allies. The idea that you don't recognize the city that is its capital as its capital is appalling. Let me give you some examples. And by the way, most of you thought the programs I did from Israel were some of the best programs I ever did. It wasn't because of me. It's because of the guests I had. Because you never heard some of the stories that they were telling, some of the facts and history that they were providing. You'll never get it from the sexual predators in the media. You just never will. The government of Israel is based in Jerusalem. The Knesset of Israel is based in Jerusalem. All the governing activity that matters is in Jerusalem. The prime minister's office is in Jerusalem. His cabinet in Jerusalem. Our embassy in Tel Aviv. In Tel Aviv which is a significant drive from Jerusalem. Do you know what our ambassador has to do in order to do business with the government of Israel? Since the embassies in Tel Aviv, we pay for apartment at the King David Hotel in Jerusalem, where he has to stay to conduct business during the week. And then he goes back to our embassy in Tel Aviv. That's how insane this is. And he's not secure there. He's not protected there. It's a hotel. 
So we go through this game, this fan dance, which is really not just disrespectful, it is outrageous to our closest or one of our closest allies. So here we have Donald Trump who is trashed all day today, trashed as insane as having dementia and Alzheimer's. He's going to commit war with North Korea. No, you can't trust him with the nukes. Here he is dealing with North Korea, dealing with Iran, and dealing with this injustice of the refusal to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of the Jews. We would never do that to the Saudi Arabians. We would never do that to the Egyptians. We don't even do it to the Iranians. We don't even do it to the North Koreans. They say this is our capital. We recognize their capital. Same with the Chinese. Same with the Russians. Same with the Cubans. It's preposterous. So this is historic. And look how the L.A. Times twists it as reversing decades of U.S. policy and international peacekeeping efforts that could inflame the Arab world. The Prime Minister of Israel is hated by the left. He's hated by the Democrats. He was hated by Obama. He's hated by Kerry. Why is Netanyahu hated by them? Because he's made it clear. We're not dividing up Jerusalem. Jerusalem is our capital. It was our capital before there was a Palestinian liberation organization or a Palestinian authority. It was our capital before there was an Egyptian capital or a Jordan or a Saudi Arabia or a Kuwait or any of the rest of it. It was our capital before there was an America. We're not going to divide up our capital any more than America would divide up its capital or Britain would divide up its capital and so forth and so on. The Palestinians are Arabs. They gave themselves the name Palestinian. I explained this before. Why? It sounds like what? Palestine. They were Bedouins. The vast majority of them lived in Jordan proper. Jordan, a creation of the Brits. Creation of the Brits, effectively. The boundaries. But Jerusalem wasn't a creation of anybody. And then there's the city of David, which is at the foot of Jerusalem. They're doing archaeological excavations now. They're finding things that are 3,000 years old, 3,200 years old, that actually support aspects of what's in the Old Testament. There's nothing there about the Palestinians. There's nothing on the Temple Mount about the Palestinians. There's nothing at the Western Wall about the Palestinians. There's nothing in the Bible about the Palestinians being there. There's nothing in the Koran about the Palestinians being there. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, we need peace. This is going to inflame the Arab world. The media want to inflame the Arab world. The media are sick. Absolutely sick. So the article goes on. Somebody, by the way, is leaking out of the White House, and they need to be slapped down. I don't know who it is, but, I mean, they're talking about meetings. The White House hosted a high-level meeting Monday to discuss plans for transferring the embassy to the ancient holy city and to discuss a deadline 
Friday that requires the administration to notify Congress every six months that it will order the move. The way this would technically work is that first you recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and then you eventually move the embassy to the capital of Israel. Oh, my God. Oh, it'll destroy peace to go. Oh, my Lord. The Palestinians claim control. They claim control of the holiest Jewish sites. The holiest of the holy Jewish sites, including the Western Wall. They claim that's theirs. On what premise? On what basis? The Temple Mount is the place of the first Jewish temple and the second Jewish temple. First, second. And the Jews aren't even allowed to go up there to pray. They're not even allowed to pray. They'll get arrested if they do. There's your Moshe Diane. Remember the guy, the general with the eye patch? The Six-Day War, they took Jerusalem, and they took it so fast that Moshe Diane, he's, well, well, how are they going to react? You know, okay. you can't pray there. You can't, can't pray there? That's like telling uh, Muslims you can't pray in uh, Medina or Mecca. Now, these areas are under the control of the Israeli government. Have they blown any of them up? Have they blown up any of these Muslim sites? No. Have they blown up any Christian sites? No. When the Jordanians controlled it, they blew up every single synagogue in Jerusalem. And they destroyed the churches. Look at Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Is Bethlehem not a Christian city? Do you know today Bethlehem is a Palestinian city? It is a Muslim city? On who say so? Well, they say so. So it is. So it's just surrendered. So the Christians have no, quote-unquote, history in the Middle East, let alone Jerusalem. The Jews have no history in the Middle East, Judea, Samaria, oh, the West Bank. That phrase is from the 1940s, the West Bank. The West Bank of Jordan. It's Judea and Samaria. Look at that in the Bible. And by the way, I'm not a Bible thumper. I don't know a lot about the Bible. I'm telling you the history. We talk about American history, which I feel I'm an expert on. Look at an ancestral history. Oh, that's occupied territory. Even in 1967, the Armistice Agreement... These lines were not permanent. They were temporary in order to stop the Israelis from conquering the rest of the Middle East. Effectively, they were attacked. Well, they weren't attacked. They were cut off. They were provoked. Nasser and the others. And so they struck out. And they were expected to lose and lose badly. But they won, and they won bigly. Same with the second war that followed. The Yom Kippur War, when they were attacked on all sides. They're not going to give Jerusalem back. It's their capital. It was their capital thousands and thousands of years ago. They have a burial site there. A burial site there. The Mount of Olives. Where people you read about in the Bible are buried in the Mount of Olives. Right there. You know what happened when the Jordanians controlled it? 
they destroyed most of the of the cemetery. You know what else they did? They built a hotel right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it. Tell me, have the Jews built a hotel on the Temple Mount? Tell me, have they turned the mosque on the Temple Mount into a uh, auditorium or anything of that? No. They're respectful. The Palestinians, the Muslims, the Arabs, they can visit their sites. Christians can visit their sites. The Jews visit their sites. That was never the case before. But it is amazing how the Jews, excuse me, how the Christians have been pushed out of the Middle East. They've been pushed out of every single Arab country. How many Christians are in the Middle East? Where was Jesus? Was he in the Middle East? Yes, he was in the Middle East. You wouldn't know it. How about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses? Where were they? They were in the Middle East too. You wouldn't know it. No. Yasser Arafat, he's the guy. And his uncle, the Nazi collaborator. Is the Nazi collaborator. What Donald Trump is doing here is so historic, assuming they follow through with this. It's so historic that no prior American president had the guts to do it. You understand what I'm saying? Even my hero, Ronald Reagan. To the surprise of senior officials who were attendants at this meeting, Trump crashed the meeting with his own detailed agenda, according to a person familiar with the White House deliberations. See, somebody opposed to this in the meeting is leaking to the media, hoping that somebody will stop it. Maybe Mr. Mattis at the Defense Department, maybe Mr. Tillerson at the State Department, or their buddy Bob Corker, wrong way Bob, the infamous Iranian deal, the scheduled 30-minute meeting on waiving the 1995 law that requires the U.S. to move the embassy stretched to two hours, and Trump stayed for nearly half of that. Gee, I didn't think Trump was engaged or intelligent or whatever. As you know, there was a report, Drudge put it out there, that I met with the president. I wasn't supposed to. It was a social meeting. Do you know during the entire meeting with the president, I'm not going to get into details, he was asking me questions. What do I think about this? What do I think about that? What do I think about this? He was enormously inquisitive. Enormously inquisitive. He wanted to know what I thought about all these different issues that he's dealing with. Not like Joe Scarborough, Mr. Deliverance over there. This is a big deal, I feel. It's a big deal for America. It's a big deal for history. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Tillerson is on the way out. I know they won't admit it, but uh, with all these leaks, it would appear to be, and he ought to be on the way out. He is a lousy Secretary of State. Uh, I'm not one of those who thinks James Baker was a good Secretary of State. I think he was a lousy Secretary of State, too. We just had a great president who knew what policies he wanted. This is from the New York Slimes. The White House has developed a plan to force out Secretary of State Rex W. Tillerson whose relationship with President Trump has been strained, and replace him with Mike Pompeo. I like Mike Pompeo, at least so far. The CIA director, perhaps within the next several weeks, senior administration officials said on Tuesday, Pompeo 
would be placed at the CIA by Senator Tom Cotton. I like Tom Cotton, for the most part, uh, who has been a key ally of the president on national security matters, according to a White House plan. Cotton has signaled that he would accept the job if offered, said the officials who insist on anonymity, because they're leaking like hell. That would be an upgrade. Pompeo over to the State Department and Cotton over to the CIA. I like it. I shall return. The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. You know, not many colleges can claim they're 100% financially independent from both federal and state governments. In fact, I can think of only one college in the entire country that refuses government funding of every kind, not one penny, Hillsdale College. Why? Because government money comes with strings. And Hillsdale refuses to have government bureaucrats dictate what and how they must teach or run their campus. From the beginning, in 1844, Hillsdale has provided a world-class education that upholds America's founding principles and preserves the blessings of civil and religious liberty. Everything Hillsdale does, from the financial aid that 97% of its students receive to the completely free online courses it offers you, depends on generous donors who recognize the worth of independence. Financial freedom, that's the key. That preserves the integrity and excellence of a Hillsdale liberal arts education. Attracting the nation's brightest students in scores of fields of study from music to biology to business, Hillsdale College teaches their students to pursue truth and defend liberty. This is why my wife Julie and I decided that Hillsdale College would receive my really very rare copy of the Federalist Papers. Now, as you know, the Federalist Papers were essays, but they were put together in book form, and 500 copies were ordered by Hamilton, because the Constitution was on the brink of losing in a number of states, New York, Virginia, and and Massachusetts, three big states that they had to have, obviously. And so Hamilton put in an order, and it was very expensive and took a lot of time to produce them. So they did it as quickly as they could, 500 copies. And 50 copies, uh, 450 copies were kept for New York, and 50 copies were sent for Virginia. I happen to have one of these copies. Well, not happen to have it, I acquired it. And uh, it's it's one of the more beautiful copies, that is, in, in outstanding condition. And I went to this event at Hillsdale College where they... Uh, where my dear friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, and his staff, as well as many of their supporters, were in the room. It was in, uh, uh, it was in, uh, where was it was Washington D.C. at their Constitution Center, and I was intending to lend them my copy for two years. And they built this beautiful, secure room that would include the document, the book. And as I walked through it. And I saw the facility, and I saw my dear friend Larry Arn with a big smile on his face from ear to ear. And I went up to the before I went up to the podium, I whispered to my wife, "I'm going to give it to them." And she said, "I agree 100%." And I went up to the podium, and I announced that I was giving them my copy of the Federalist Papers, and it's there right now on display 
at the Hillsdale College, wonderful, beautiful Constitution Center on Massachusetts Habits in Washington, D.C. You can make an appointment and go and look at it. And I hope you will. And this is one of the reasons I hope you'll learn a whole lot more about Hillsdale College. Learn about how Hillsdale College helps us all to become better, more independent citizens, and how you can help Hillsdale College further freedom at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Well, the program's almost over, and what would a Levin program be if I don't mention the NFL? By the way, did I mention that the Eagles were leading the NFC? Did I mention that? Mr. Producer is a Steelers fan. What's the record of the Steelers, by the way? Nine and two? Eight and two. And what's the record of the Eagles again, Mr. Producer? No, not nine and one. Ten and one. Uh, Just saying, well, the Steelers are nine and two. And the Eagles have a very tough uh, road to go here. They have to play Seattle, and then they have to play the Rams, which are very good. You know, i got to bring my buddy Stephen A. on. We've been emailing back and forth. And by the way, even though ESPN is losing a zillion uh, subscribers, do you know that the rating of Stephen A.'s program is up 70% year to year? Sounds like Mark Levin's ratings, quite frankly. ESPN.com sources NFL agrees to commit $89 million over seven years to social justice causes. Not to liberty causes, not to private property causes. Not to constitutional causes, but social justice causes. So they're going to take $89 million out of the private sector, you, the customer pays, and use it for left-wing events. Call them social justice causes. And this is how they hope to buy silence. And they're not going to buy silence. It never works. The NFL and a group of players reached an agreement in principle last night to partner on a plan to address social justice issues Considered important to African-American communities, sources told ESPN. And why just African-American communities? Does social justice know race? No skin color? It's either social justice or it's not. During a conference call Wednesday night, Malcolm Jenkins and Anquan Bolden, who lead roughly 40 players who have negotiated with the league office about demonstrations during the national anthem, guided the group through the highlights of the package, which represents the NFL's largest contribution to a social issue, surpassing the salute to service or breast cancer awareness crucial catch. The partnership came a day after some players broke away from the Players' Coalition because of their dissatisfaction with how Jenkins and Bolden had handled negotiations. Commissioner Roger Goodell, you know, let me just stop here. This guy's got to go. If the NFL has any hope, any chance, if the owners have any hope, any chance, this lightweight has to go. This self-serving, self-enriching lightweight has to go. He's a disaster. He's a disaster. The agreement does not include language calling for players to end protests during the national anthem in exchange for funds. There's no implicit quid pro quo. But the NFL hopes this effort will effectively end and blah, blah, blah. They're not even getting anything out of it. They're not even... This isn't management. This is a joke. You know, this Goodell started with the NFL as an intern and worked his way all the way up to commissioner. And that's the problem. You need a skilled CEO to run the NFL. It is a big business. And this guy's a big failure. It's a big fraud, a big phony. 
Roger Goodell. Remember that that press conference he had? Oh, in the community, in the community this, in the community that. Because some doofus PR type whispered in his ear, talk about the community, not the union, not the players' union. And by the way, why do multimillionaires in sports need a union? I'm, I'm quite serious about this. How many multimillionaires have a union? You know, you have a union, the blue-collar workers, the bricklayers, the electrical guys, the plumber guys, the drivers, if you even have a union. But millionaires in sports have a union and independent contracts? I've never understood this. You have an agent? Now, I have a union, too, and yet I'm an independent. I'm an employer, but I'm independent. I don't know what the hell my union does other than grab my money and probably support liberal Democrats for office. Grab my money. I don't want anything to do with the union, but I have to be a member of the union in order to broadcast. Because these broadcast companies, that's the deal they cut with these guys. Maybe I should take a knee on that. Maybe I'll take a knee. You never know. Let's see. uh, Let us go to Jim, Los Angeles, Sirius Satellite. How are you, sir? Jim, are you awake? Are you with us? Yeah, I'm with you. Can you hear me? All right, I can hear you. Go right ahead, sir. Okay, I just wanted to say that I I feel uh, very disillusioned with this whole uh, uh, Keith Steinle uh, murder trial verdict. I think this mm-hmm. verdict was completely wrong. Um, this guy, uh, not only was he an illegal alien, he had been uh, deported something like four or five times previously. Um, also, he was a convicted felon. Uh, I remember reading he had uh, seven felony convictions under his belt. Uh, one of them was for a drug-related crime. Um, I think he was just a, a, a bad human being. You know, I think the the, the trial, uh, the verdict was really wrong in this. I couldn't agree more. Also, uh, you mentioned earlier that San Francisco is a uh, sanctuary city. Not only is San, Fran- San Francisco a sanctuary city, so is Los Angeles. Oh, I know. There's a four or five hundred of them. Exactly. And uh, recently, I remember reading that uh, Governor Brown... I think we should be... I think I'm going to create a sanctuary city, a sanctuary from uh, laws against the Second Amendment. See, we can do this, too. I've talked about this before. How about we have a mayor somewhere that says, you know what? I'm a sanctuary city on the Second Amendment. Anybody who opposes the laws that are being passed, the court decisions... Come to such and so city. We're a sanctuary city when it comes to that. We're going to nullify these court decisions too. Absolutely. Um, and this guy, you know, was a convicted felon. He had a gun. Uh, he should not have had that gun. It was illegal for him to have this gun, even if he claims he found it. Sir, we know all the facts. We know. We know. We know. And what was done here was a horrific injustice. And the uh, I'm sure the uh, political elites who run San Francisco are thrilled. They're thrilled that their sanctuary city status isn't going to be uh, changed because of a federal judge, that they're going to continue to get federal funds while they thumb their nose at the feds, uh, and illegal aliens, including uh, illegal aliens who commit other sorts of crimes where the feds are trying to get them. They'll get no cooperation out of the city of San Francisco. You know what this means, Jim? It means, and I talked about this generally the other day, the demographics now are such, with respect to ethnicity, that you have these cities like San Francisco and other cities, that are so heavily, that the politicians rely so heavily for votes 
from certain ethnic communities that they dare not do anything that might be seen as offending an ethnic community. And, of course, in all that, they are stereotypical in the way they think, but that's what liberals do. And so there's not a political solution to this. And so, the, in, in fact, the politicians go the other way. They reject the law. They reject the law and order. All right, Jim, thank you for your call. I'll develop that more down the road in, uh, in future shows, too, because I think it's critically important. Gordon in Ohio, trucker, Sirius Satellite. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you for your service and your voice. You educate a lot of us out here. I'm a truck driver. If I pull up to an intersection and a drunk driver runs a red light, runs into my truck and kills himself, if I am not absolutely current with my logbook, I automatically go up for manslaughter. Because what they say is I was illegally there if I'm not current with my log within 15 minutes, and they say I should not have been at the intersection. This guy should not have been in the country. He's in the, the incident would have, the gun would have never been picked up. He is guilty. They definitely got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely got it wrong. And all the gun controllers out there, all the leftists out there, you won't really hear them talk much about this case, will you? Well, I tell you what, Mark, I'd love to hire Landmark because if uh, if he's not guilty, then they're discriminating against all us truck drivers out here. So yeah, well, there's no case there. What would I don't even know how you would bring a case there. But anyway, sir, thank you for your uh, for your call. What are you going to do? Sue the court? Say the court discriminates against truck drivers? That it just that ain't going to happen. All right, let's continue. I have to make a big decision right now. Mexican or Italian food? What am I going to eat for dinner? Mexican or Italian food? I think it's Italian, the way my wife is looking at me. We'll be right back. in. If you haven't finished shopping for that perfect gift for your friends and family, and I know you haven't, I haven't, we've got the perfect gift idea for you over at CRTV.com, where I do Levin TV. Through Christmas, we've created some limited edition holiday mugs featuring your favorite show hosts on CRTV. Hello, hello, hello. Me? It's your chance to get my mug on your mug. We want to say a special thank you to those who are signing up to support what we're doing on CRTV because we couldn't do it without you. There's never been a better time to get CRTV. And if you've already joined, you can gift a CRTV subscription to your friends and family. Everybody could use a little bit more of the truth of conservative principles and a little less from the liberal media. Give us a call right now. We're open. The government's closed. Those are two good things. We're open. The government's closed. Here's the number, a toll-free number, 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. Our customer service folks are great. They'll tell you how to get it set up. They'll tell you what platforms we use. You can watch me on your iPhone, on your other handheld devices, on your computer, even on your TV. We'll get you all taken care of. But mention promo code HOLIDAY, 844-LEVIN-TV. Mention promo code HOLIDAY. That's promo code HOLIDAY to get your free Levin TV mug or choose from any of our other 
favorite CRTV show hosts. Again, that's 844-LEVIN-TV or visit levintv.com. Look, the mugs are there as long as they last. So I'd really love you to, to check it out. If you watch CRTV, you know we have wonderful shows. You know how, how we have a lot of fun. We learn, you know, we provide a lot of information and people work very hard and it's high quality TV. High quality TV. I did a Levin TV today. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. I spent two or three hours, really do, researching what I want to discuss on my daily Levin TV program. Then when I go into the studio, I sit down with my wonderful crew, and we go over what I've sent them, and we might reorganize it, we might drop some things, we might add some things, because usually I, I provide too much. And we want to keep the show under an hour, best 40, 45 minutes, maybe 35. And, um, uh, and then it takes about an hour, hour and 15 minutes or so to shoot it. So I spend a lot of time on this to give you the best quality programming I possibly can. It, it's not an overlap of radio. Maybe a little bit from time to time, but I try and make it as unique as possible. That's why we have so many people who want to participate. And you can check out our Facebook site, too, Levin TV Facebook, Levin TV Facebook. There's a great young man who runs it. His name is Chase. You may have heard of him before. And we've got other great kids over there working on it, too, Stephen and so forth. And that is where a number of our young folks are, in fact, responding to you. I think we have like 300,000, 400,000 followers over there already. So check us out. Get your mug. Just use the word HOLIDAY, that's 844-LEVIN-TV, promo code HOLIDAY. I know you're going to love it. I really do. That's 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV, or you can visit levintv.com, that's levintv.com. Do these shows go quickly or is it just me? Very fast. It goes very fast when we're not stuck in the sexual harassment uh, swamp. And I wish they would stop saying on Capitol Hill, we have sexual harassment training. Now, you don't have sexual harassment training. You have anti-sexual harassment training. Anti-sexual harassment training. Ed, Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP, go. Thank you, Mark. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you again. Thank uh, you, as sir. far as that uh, guy from uh, San Francisco and all the other illegals like that, they should put the jury members, and like we have here in Texas, if you violate the state law as an um, official of the state of Texas, you are under arrest. And we should need to put all those guys together in the same, you know. Well, who are you, asking, who are you saying you want to arrest? I'm confused. Okay. In the state of Texas, we just have to. I, 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 that's fine. Who are you saying you want to arrest? The jury? No, I would say, according to the state law. It says all right, thanks for your you, call. This is kooky stuff. Okay, so we should arrest the jury, according to Texas state law. Come on, Ed, you know better than that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we ended on a high note, as always. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Check out Levin TV tonight. I will be back on the radio tomorrow. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, and God bless you.